This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. You know how we've, we're mildly disappointed that we don't think our wives listen to our podcast? Yeah. I mean, we, we say we are not, and we, right. but deep down it kind of hurts a little bit. It does hurt a little bit, but it, it it's also kind of nice to just be able to say whatever we want. Yeah, well, yeah. I th- we got to start rethinking that strategy and that sensibility. Why is that? Well, you know, last week I told the story about giving Lila the glow stick, thinking yeah. it was a, you know, a candy, and she bit it off and all the... Toxic, toxic waste came, yeah. you know, came out. Well, and you threw out her dress. <laughs> yes, I threw out. Her yeah, dress. that was my favorite part of that story. <laughs> so, uh, and you got the same text, I believe, that I did. Yeah, from yeah. Michelle, um, saying that she was unaware uh-huh. of that little event that happened <laughs> in 2004. So we might need to kind of keep in mind that there are actually other people listening to this podcast. We cannot be bridled. We are, we are stallions. <laughs> oh, we could we could be bridled. Believe no, me. no, but, no, no. In fact, I've got a story today. I'm going to tell. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, and, and people just need to buckle up. Is what well, is Bridget listening? No. Okay. Well, it's safer for me, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> it, it is time right now for minutia men. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia, Minutia Man, Man with Rick and Dave. I swear she is more pissed that I threw away the dress. Yeah. That I gave her, you know. I, I just I just think that's funny. You know, imagine being her and and tuning in and like, wait, what? What happened? <laughs> hey, yeah. we got a hell of a show again. We do. Good. We are just since we took that month off, yeah. we are firing on all cylinders. When are you going on another vacation? Uh, I don't have anything scheduled for like two months. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so we got like up, eight or ten in a row. I think so. All right. This comes out of Canada, which, by the way, our uh, minutia men celebrity interview. Yeah, like sixteen percent of our audience is from Canada. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Love the Canadians. Yeah. It's a suburb of Illinois, basically. <laughs> Man gets pinched for drug trafficking after handing out business cards with free samples of cocaine. Okay, that qualifies for this, I think. When you're on the job and you're not doing it right. Jenkins! Time now for Dave to share stories of employee screw-ups. Jenkins! It could only be... Jenkins! Jenkins! With Rick and Dave. Jenkins! Officers in Calgary first became aware of this well-thought-out promotional campaign while patrolling a casino on Christmas Eve. Police say (laughs) that an unidentified man was handing out business cards with small little baggies of cocaine... Well, that's just good marketing. I'm telling you, it's, yeah, it's, it's point of purchase. It's great. It's great marketing. Um, Investigators began an investigation in January. Last weekend, officers searched a vehicle and again, name redacted and, and recovered almost 60 grams of cocaine individually portioned in more than 50 baggies, (laughs) a digital scale, cash and business cards. Hmm. Okay. A 30-year-old man is charged with two court. Two what does ca- it say on the business card? Well, I will oh, tell you in a second because okay. I've got a business card critique. Okay. Because oh, I've, okay. I've got a copy of the business card, and quite frankly, he made some mistakes okay. in it. Uh, Can't wait to hear. Uh, well, here. Why don't we just go? Here's the photo. Here's a photo of the business card. Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the font choice. Okay. <laughs> this looks like it's Times New Roman. 
I would suggest a sans serif type to build I mean, credibility. Times Roman, that's that's hack. <laughs> it is. It's it's t- tell me something I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, also, you know, when you're looking at these baggies, and there's a picture of the baggies here. Yeah. There's no logo on this ba- on these baggies. Right. Like can't yeah. Can't he? He's trying, <laughs> but he's just not a professional. He did not take Professor Stern's small business marketing class. <laughs> no, I tell you he what. Did not. Um, another thing is. He was giving out a gram of cocaine per business card. Okay. He was just giving it out? Well, it was part of his, yeah, it was a free sample, basically. Uh, It says what here? It says here, yes, investigators say he was giving up to a gram of cocaine per, he is, this this guy is not keeping customer acquisition costs in mind. Right, yeah. hundred. Do you know how much a gram? Do you have any idea how much? A, I don't. It's know. like one hundred and fifty bucks. Is it for a, a gram? Wow. Yeah. So he, when you start, I'm more of a heroin guy myself. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. You, you know, heroin has become like a chic microdose. You know how you hear about microdosing and yeah. Heroin is becoming a real really. Yeah, wow, you really have your finger on the pulse of the youth. <laughs> I hope this man is keeping track of all these expenses for tax purposes, right? <laughs> Because quite for, I mean, these are business expenses. Um, but my favorite part of this, or I actually, I should say my least favorite part is he has a tagline. I know it's really hard to read here. He's got a tagline on his business cards. Guess what his tagline is? Well, I can't see it. You're Coke man. Yeah. Come, that, on. come on. That's too vague. Come he's, on. The, he's not positioning himself, you know, in, in the industry at all. Uh, this is not the stupidest cocaine dealer though that i found oh there's more i've got a couple uh that happened throughout the years i'd like to share them to you in 1989 hector martinez was arrested in a detroit suburb of huntington woods you know huntington woods and that right near where your brother lives right very close uh after the police and the, the reason why they caught him is outside of hector's house there was a menu board I am not kidding. There was a menu board outside of his house with prices and special offers. Well, again, he's marketing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I think we should be giving them credit. But again, another favorite in 2014, Lorden Samuels was pulled over by cops after they noticed that his license plate read "Got Meth" on his new red Porsche 911. <laughs> That's like uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, so, guys, if you're selling drugs, yeah, talk to Professor Stern first. Now, where are you teaching these classes these days? Yeah, I'm not. Just various the, different universities around the. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna put a little <laughs> bit in that. There could be a lot of David Sterns out there. <laughs> yeah, it could be anybody. Yeah, it's yeah. probably not the same guy who's doing this wacky podcast. <laughs> All right, I have a story for you. Um, this is uh, a story. It kind of ties into your glow stick story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a it. Some would call it a bad parenting story, but I think we have decided that we we don't judge. There's no we don't bad judge. parents. Australian police came to the aid of a three year old boy after he became trapped inside a claw machine at a suburban <laughs> shopping mall. A uh, video of the unusual rescue Saturday was shared on social media by Queensland Police, and I think I had a Queensland Police story last week too. Uh, it showed the toddler sitting inside the glass-walled box filled with plush toys, blissfully unaware of his predicament. Uh, this is my favorite part. The boy's father, Timothy Harper, said, 
uh, his son had disappeared into the claw machine's prize dispenser and did it in a split second. I had no chance to react to it. Unbelievably how fast he climbed up there, he told the Australian uh, Broadcasting Corporation. Um, the video shows the officers and the boy's parents encouraging him into a safe corner at the back of the machine to cover his eyes while the police shattered the glass panel to free him. Again, as we like to say, no judgment or here. No. No. Um, and I think it's time to do this. Time now for Rick and Dave to both share a story or two about things going on in their lives. Involving the kids, the wives, or, or both. both. And now, Rick and Dave. So, um, it's time for my story, all right? Uh, you told a story last week. I can tell you my story. This is a story that goes back uh, quite a few years. My youngest son, Sean, was about the age of this boy. Okay. Three. Okay. He was three. Um, and at that age, Sean learned to do something that is terrifying to parents. He learned how to unbuckle himself from the car seat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a brand new minivan at the time. Sean was buckled behind me. We we're driving somewhere in the neighborhood when uh, I was shocked to see little Sean suddenly leaning into the front seat with a shit-eating grin on his face. And he said, hi, Dad. Yeah. Now, I was driving. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, 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 was, I, I immediately thought to myself, if I... Hit the brakes. Yeah, he's going to go, go through in the windshield. Right. So I slowly pulled over to the side. And in the three seconds that it took me to open my door and to open his door so that I could buckle him yeah. back up, he jumped into the front seat, went in my change door, took a dime out of my change door, <laughs> stuck it into the CD machine, and broke the CD player. The CD player, in order to fix that CD player... Oh, it's probably like 700 bucks or 1200 bucks. Because <laughs> they would have had to take the entire dashboard off. Right? So, in so order, that was the end of the CD player. Well, oh. and, and this is a brand new car. Mm -hmm. And we had that car for another 17 years, and we never got the CD player fixed. We just drove around with a car and no CD player. But again, just like this guy, he did it in a split second. Yeah. I totally believe that this kid somehow figured out a way to get into the uh, claw box. Yeah, yeah. I um, the thing that and I have twins, obviously, and so Lila. So I think I had we must have had three kids in car seats at, at the, the same, same time. Yeah, you did right, and you know, getting those little bastards in those car seats with the with the you know the and they made a game of it right it's yeah. they you know you can't get it. and especially with our technical abilities uh you know getting somebody strapped in each time was hard yeah. for me and well, I, I never got over it hey you know we got a great reveal we did this is from beyond the box set via apple Podcasts in great great britain oh which were huge there too yeah within a few minutes of listening to rick and Dave. You know, should I do it in an English accent? No. I, yeah, don't. I don't like how last week you didn't like my David Bowie impersonation. Well, you had one line. All right. Yeah. Uh, have you been working on it? A little bit, but I'm not ready to okay. to flop it out. All right. Within a few minutes of listening to Rick and Dave of the Minutia Men, it's clear that broadcasting is more than a hobby. It's in their bones. Oh. Speaking energetically and fluently. <laughs> well, he's from Great Britain. So, yes, we do speak English fluently yes. on a range of subjects for a sustained period is a lot harder than it looks. But there's an ease and confidence in this show that really separates it from the. Pack. Wow. Hold on. Whether they're rambling about the latest bizarre headlines <laughs> from around the world. I don't like the word rambling <laughs> or delivering deliciously gossipy antidotes from their radio days. 
these minutia men are a joy to listen to. Wow, that's like that's the, like the, that's that's more content than we do in a show. Basically, that's the best review we've, we've ever had. Okay. We've ever had. Well, it's time for another feature in the show as I effortlessly, seamlessly go to this next segment. Time now for Studio Walls. And the words of the prophets were written on the studio walls. So this is the portion of our show where we find delicious gossip uh, to share with our uh, our uh, listeners. And uh, we go through our vast files uh, of our archives and actually, this week, Dave, in 1998, Seinfeld, which was mm-hmm. one of our favorite shows, mm-hmm. aired the episode about George's girlfriend refusing to break up with him. Okay. All right. So that was 26 Six years, years ago, ago right. uh, this week. And we luckily had the chance to talk to the girl who played the girl, the uh, actress who played uh, that role. Her name is Alex Cap. And if you remember that interview, it was really fascinating because she also was the, she was the woman. She was the the killer, or whatever. Wasn't the she? preppy killer's girlfriend? Right. Right. Do you remember that yeah, whole yeah, story? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we get into that. If you want to go on to it, it's episode number one thirty two uh, of Minishman Celebrity Interview. But today, I want to play a portion where she tells us about what it was like being on Seinfeld and how she got the role and everything. And we also had another. We had. Kramer's, the nun that Kramer yes. fell in love with, we had her on as well. Yes, so we've right. Her. We've we've covered it all. Uh, here's Alex telling us about uh, that uh, special incident in her career. Oh, it it was kind of unbelievable, actually. I mean, you know, it was the last season, so it, it was a huge hit at that point. I mean, you know, it was as big as it ever got. And even the way I got the job was thrilling. It was just a, you know, it was it was a game changer for me. And it actually kind of started off a whole bunch of all the other acting jobs because you know once you did a, once you do a Seinfeld, that's kind of that's kind of the, you know, the aspirational goal. So, so what is the story of how you got the job? Well, funny you should ask. Um, so it was very rare, but it was a Saturday morning um, audition, which I never happens ever, but it was Seinfeld. So, of course, you go. But I, at the time, being in my 20s, um, didn't think through going out the night before and having quite <laughs> cocktails. So I'm not really sure what I was thinking, but clearly um, I wasn't thinking much and so i was a little unwell on saturday morning i mean just the idea that i would ever do that today so stupid and irresponsible in any case that's what i was i did that with the act and that's why i ended up at the university of illinois so see that's what happens and i like that you only took it once why bother trying again yeah right good enough is good enough it's fine it's it's fine so anyway yeah so saturday morning audition i'm wearing i just remember i was wearing a silk shirt which was a really bad choice if you're hungover anyway you know it's just anyway so and there was a sort of a hallway with all these women um probably 20 15 20 women and i realized at the time that they were they were auditioning two parts so they were two um, guest stars on that episode but i didn't quite know that and i was just sort of trying to keep myself together and so everybody went in one by one we all sat there and normally you go in for an audition you sit there you go in you read you leave some once in a blue moon they'll have you wait and they'll kind of sort of say whatever anyway in this case we all had to wait so uh it was my turn i got up to walk in the room 
And also, by the way, let me back up. There were a lot of famous people there. So by the time I walked in, I was like, there is no way in God's green earth I'm getting this job because it was like famous actresses. And I thought, you know, in the last season, there's no way they're going to hire me, but whatever. I'll throw one away. And Who are some of the so names? Th- throw some names out there. Oh, gosh, I will not. People that I you won't beat out for this it. role. I, yeah. Were they but hungover, too? The <laughs> uh, yes, they were all hungover, really hungover. Um, no, one of the names I will say was Ileana Douglas, because I'll say that because she's actually in the episode, and I'll explain that in a minute, too. Okay. So, But when I saw her, I was like, she was a big independent film star at the time, and I thought, well, there's just not yeah, – she's going to get it. I'm not going to get it. So I walk in, and lo and behold, it's Larry David and jerry seinfeld in the room and i'm going to be reading with jerry seinfeld which was like holy shit i can't believe i oh god i can't believe i'm hung over what's wrong with me so um and we started the scene and he was just reading george's part you know he was reading george and i was reading maura and it was the very first time i said no Mm. i think you know he just says i'm breaking up with you Mm. and i just say no and i i caught jerry looking at Larry and they exchanged a look and I can't describe it but I kind of was like oh my god I think I just booked this job wow. it was a weird it was just a weird little moment but they looked at each other and kind of smirked and I thought Shit, I, th- I think I just got this job off one word so I finished the scene they were laughing I was laughing I'm absolutely certain I told them I was hungover because I have a huge big mouth and so I walked <laughs> And I sat down and I was waiting and then everybody else went in, including Ileana Douglas. And so um, then they, Mark Herschel, the casting director, who's a wonderful man, he came out and he said, um, Ileana. And before he even finished saying her name, I already grabbed my bag and was out the door. And he was like, Alex, wait, where are you going? I was like, what do you mean? You just said Ileana. It goes oh my god so awkward Ileana you come with me Alex you got the job Ileana you got the other part and I was like oh oh my god wow oh oh my god and so at that point she kind of I felt bad because then she was like shit I got the smaller part (laughs) and I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe it and that was it and we literally walked out all the other actresses left you know dejected it's it's awful to be that actress I've been it a million times and then we just turned around and walked straight to the table read you know, two doors down. We were at CBS wow. Radford, which is, and that was it. We started at Saturday morning table read. So that was it. Walked right on to the job, and uh, it was like one of the best weeks of my life. It was just fabulous. Wow. Every single bit of it. But fabulous, you, you know, when you you said that the word no is the thing that clicked. Uh, if people haven't seen that oh, episode, it's great. It's great. It, that was the whole point. Uh, he tried to break up with you. George tried to break up with you, and you just said no. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so yeah. it was yeah. like the key. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. It was the key word <laughs> in the whole episode. So you right. nailed that. So, right? Yeah. So that was, it was pretty thrilling. And it, you know, and it, and it went really well, too. You know, to this day, you know, people remember that because it is just so oh, absurd that he's just, he's like, I'm breaking up with yeah. you. No, no, you're not. Oh, okay. Then he just gives in so easily. He's just quit. He's like, okay. Yeah. All right. So you read, so you read with Jerry. What do you think you would do? Jason Alexander would read. Isn't that kind of weird that Jerry would read George's part? Why wouldn't George? I mean, no, it is a little weird. I was surprised. I will say, but you know, they were, they were so the showrunners that it, it, you know, normally you'd read with the casting director or you'd read with, right. they, you, know, you might do a chemistry read with the actual person. But, you know, I think they just wanted, their hands were in every bit of it because they write it and it's their show. So I think they just, it, it was surprising, but it wasn't 
that surprising okay. if that makes sense i have just one more question about this uh, and, yeah. that, and that is, what kind of cocktails were you drinking the night before? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. You know, probably I was in my 20s, so probably something like Cosmos. Okay. I mean, it was the 90s, so right. some horrible thing with a lot of sugar in it <laughs> is what I'm guessing. And that was in New York, and, right? Uh, no, no, it was no, here. LA. It was oh, here. I'm in LA. Yeah. Yeah. It was LA. Yep. Right. See, Just, Dave, the show was work. set in New York. But <laughs> can they yeah. do that? Can you actually set a no. show and not? Part of the... <laughs> you can make it look like another city. Whoa! Can they do that? I think we just cracked the code there. <laughs> That's incredible. There it is. Yeah, she was a delightful guy. You can tell that she's not exactly a type B personality. No, no, no. Uh, she was, um, and she told, and part of, like you said, part of this interview that we did, we, this was like an ancillary part of the in- interview because we talked about her being the girlfriend of the preppy. Yeah. That was the main reason we right. had her on. Yeah. And, which is just fascinating how her life was completely, yeah. uh, you know, her name is the, Alex cap and the uh, episode, if you want to check it out, it's episode one thirty two of minutia man celebrity interview. Uh, Rick, can you flop out your French accent? <laughs> I, I told that's all you could do, right? <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. All right, this comes out of well, it's not doesn't come out of France. It actually uh, comes out of uh, Great Britain. Man who spent years building Eiffel Tower rep- Eiffel Tower replica with seven hundred thousand matchsticks may be not be denied world record for using wrong matches. Should I say that again? Because I kind of butchered that about nine times. Yeah, why don't you? Man who spent years building Eiffel Tower. Tower rep. That's hard to say. You know, I'm telling you, the guy who wrote that review about how smooth (laughs) you were. Right now, he's he's revoking that. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, some dude uses 700,000 matchsticks, (laughs) and he builds an Eiffel Tower replica. Sure. Okay. uh, His name is Richard Plowd. And he used, like I said, 706,900 matchsticks to make a 23 and a half foot model of the Eiffel Tower. Okay. Uh, God, this is so And brutal. he did it, and, and he did it two feet longer or higher than the Guinness Book of World Record because he wanted to. He, wa- make he was the, the whole reason he was exactly, doing it. Exactly, right. And it took him years. It took him 12 years. Wow. 12 years to do it uh, and oh, well over 10,000 hours. Well, there's a problem. Yeah. Because he altered the matchsticks in order to be a Guinness Book of World Record. You have to use real matchsticks. Standard. Yeah. And so he actually had he made a deal with a matchstick. They don't mention what matchstick manufactured is to remove all the heads of no. the matches. Yeah, that doesn't count. No, absolutely. So Cheater. He, so he did this whole thing. He spent over 10,000 hours, and Guinness Book of World Records ends up saying, eh-eh, it's wow. not going to. However, I just checked this morning. They are now in negotiations. Are they? Like, yes. I mean, uh, it was probably a pity thing. Like, how many years did you do that? 12 years? Well, this reminds me of somebody I know, and actually I think you know him too, uh, spent like... 14,000 hours on chronicling, chronicling the biography of every cub uh-huh, th- that ever uh-huh. played, yeah. you know, and uh, I think I've heard about that guy. <laughs> think about if that book was never published. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been working on that book uh, for the new updated edition yeah. and there are 42 new ones. No, seven or 78 new cubs, 78 new entries that I have to write because of 2023. Yeah. 
yeah. then also people die from the previous yeah, 2000. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, it's, I just did not think this through yeah. when I first wrote that book. How many, so every entry after, do you have their death date on all the yes. entries? Yes. So you have to go through and make sure that of these two, that nobody died in the last year. Right. Right. I think 16 Cubs died last year. So addition to all the other stuff, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you just, uh, took the scab off on that one. I've been working on it uh, the last couple of weeks here. Well, pitchers and catchers are reporting next week. So I know, chop, chop, I buddy. know, I know. Chop, chop. All right. I have a story for you. You know, the John Williams show on WGN. Yeah. He's a fairly popular, mm-hmm. uh, uh, jockey, I guess talk show host WGN radio. They do a bit called speed jokes. Okay. Uh, people call up, they tell their one liner jokes. Um, he, he, I think he does it every week. Um, and, and they did a competition at the end of the year, uh, to find out which one was the funniest one liner joke of the year. Um, and I have it for you. Uh, I even have him saying it. Here we go. It's a, uh, it's one liner, five seconds. Here we go. What did the elephant say to the naked man? Cute beginner to pick up peanuts. That's it. What was it? What did the elephant say to the naked man? Cute, but can it pick up peanuts? I got you. Get it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So I went down, and you talk about rabbit holes. I went down one-liner joke rabbit hole to find uh, jokes. When you should have been working on the Every Cub Ever. Yes. But I was working on this show, if that counts, which I think it should. Um, And I found lots of one-liners. You know, it's pretty hard to be funny in Mm one-liner jokes. Uh, But the thing that I found that interested me the most is i found an indian joke site this is a, a you site. had me at indian joke site and now we're talking about india you Not know, the country America, right. yes uh they, there are five jokes on this line here and i want you to uh tell me what you think of these all right these are indian jokes the early bird might get the worm but the second mouse gets the cheese <laughs> Okay. Okay, I get it because the first one gets. Yeah. Do I have to explain these no, jokes? I don't no. think so. He who smiles in a crisis has found someone to blame. Okay. These are All like right. fortune cookie. They are kind of fortune cookie. How is it one careless match can start a forest fire, but it takes a whole box to start a campfire? Wow. And 706,000 matchsticks to make the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I saw a woman wearing a sweatshirt with guess on it. So I said, implants? <laughs> okay, not bad. That one's okay. <laughs> and here's the last one. Never hit a man with glasses. Hit him with a cricket bat. Okay. There's the Indian. Right yeah, there. see? Yeah. yeah. Now you know that's so, authentically Indian. Do you know cricket? Do you know the rules of cricket? I don't, know. So I teach at a place where there's a lot of... A lot of students are immigrants. What's the name of this? (laughs) And um, they were explaining to me cricket. These matches last days, like weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's not something I'm going to pick up now in my 60s. You know, uh, DraftKings has a little section that you can bet on cricket. There's literally nothing you can't bet on. You cannot you cannot bet on the presidential election if you live in America. Really? Right. Which is going to tie into a tease of our next guest our, oh, our oh, coming up. Yes, but we have another feature no, before I know. that. I'm, just, I'm teasing the tease. Okay, here we go. 
A random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. Now, you're going to love this one, Dave, because this one is sent Mm -hmm. to you. Okay. All right. Um, To my email for some reason. Uh, It's from Rachel. And it says, I'm a regular listener to the pod. Okay. We never call it the pod. No, no. A uh, regular listener to the pod. Rachel must be young and hip. Could be. No, actually, she's. I, th- I think she's even older than us. Oh. And I particularly liked the Avery Schreiber story a few months back. Dave's reaction was so cute. <laughs> I have a similar Jewish celebrity story. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Cleveland Heights. Sure. When I was 16, a bunch of us made a pilgrimage to Israel to visit a kibbutz. Oh. I didn't know one of the girls on the trip named Debbie... But she was very nice. We had a long talk over a cucumber and tomato salad one day. (laughs) I love the minutiae. This is great. Fast forward 10 years. My husband and I went to the movies, and there she was on the screen. It was Debbie. The movie was an officer and a gentleman. Deborah Winger. Debbie is now known as Deborah Winger. Wow. Dave, she's a nice Jewish girl. Oh, that. We haven't seen a Deborah Winger. She's I don't know. Is she still alive? I would have. I think she is. Yeah. Um, She's kind of falling off the. uh, We got to. You know what? We got to get her on the show. Yeah. Let's talk to her about the kibbutz. Thank you, um, Rachel. Yes. Thank you very much. Now, we have another show that is called Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Right. And we had the pleasure of interviewing Ken Bone. Do you remember who Ken Bone is? Of course. Ken Bone. Ken Bone. For those of you who don't, during the 2016 election, he was in the front row of the debate. He asked that question about energy consumption and became a a internet sensation. And it was something to do with the fact that he had uh, a, a red big, sweater, big on, red sweater, right? right? And he just looked like an everyday guy, right? He was like, just it like was a every ma- it was, yeah, well, yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't want to say that, but but um, you just uh, did, uh, right? Well, but we appreciated yeah. the time that Ken Bone uh, hung with us. Yes, and um, it's a very interesting interview about his. Like crazy blitzkrieg of yes, fame. Yes, because he was everywhere during for, that uh, for like election. Yeah, two months afterwards, right? Uh, and then when it was over, he was yeah, he Deborah Wingard. <laughs> he did Deborah Winger. Yes. Um, so yes, check that out. This minutia men celebrity interview. Uh, we have people to thank, Dave. We we need to thank our executive producer Tony Lasano with Opi Shows. Uh, we couldn't do it without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also need to thank. Uh, Ed Silla mm-hmm. with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Uh, he distributes the show. Let's thank Rachel. Let's thank Rachel. Avery Schreiber. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Ken Bone. Ken uh, Bone. Yes. Be sure to check that out, too. Um, and we'll be back again now, uh, since I'm not taking any vacations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of Minutia Men. The Proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? That's all you could do, right? <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. <laughs>